You're listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. You can send Matt feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests at goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Here's your host, Matt Jackson. Welcome to the Good News Project podcast. My name is Matt Jackson. As I record this episode this week, there are eight days left in the school year. Now, for many teachers and students, this is the best time of the year because you can see the finish line. Summer is right around the corner. Pretty soon you can sleep in and stay up all night and read when you want to read and go to the pool every day. There's certainly an escalated level of freedom. But if I'm being honest, the last few days of each semester are some of the most challenging for me. Because in late May and mid-December, we enter what I have come to call grade-begging season. Grade-begging season is when the students who have done next to nothing all semester come to you at the very last second asking how they can pass your class Or in the case of seniors, ask the question, am I going to graduate? Now understand that most teachers are extremely proactive throughout the semester to keep students on track to meet expectations. We go out of our way to help facilitate student success. Sometimes it's as simple as a reminder email to students, and sometimes you have to get parents involved. In my defense, I call parents for both good things and not so good things so that students do not think parent involvement is a punishment or a weapon at my disposal. I believe most teachers are not vindictive creatures. We actually do want kids to excel and like to celebrate their successes. Most teachers are not looking to fail a student and are not using any other criteria to pass or fail a student that does not involve academic curriculum. I'm closing out my fifth year as a teacher, and I can tell you that 99% of my student failures come down to one simple factor, incomplete or missing work. The only way you fail my class is not doing the work. My students learn the assigned material, and I find a way to make sure they have mastered it, but I can't do the work for them, nor would I want to. Most students who come a-calling during begging season are not new to academic struggles. Most will be failing more classes than just yours, and most will have a litany of missing work. You've already talked to them multiple times and perhaps even printed out a copy of everything they are missing with an opportunity for them to complete the work for partial credit. And yet, you will reach the final day of the semester and the kid will ask for points, sometimes double-digit points in an effort to pass, and in some cases, they do not even have the courage or the integrity to ask me face-to-face. They tell their parents to do the adult work for them. Which brings me to this past week. The beginning of begging season for seniors, because seniors finish a week before the rest of the school. I teach a dual credit class this year, which is a combination college and high school credit class. I say I 
teach it, but in all honesty, I do very little teaching in the class and basically serve as a monitor or a watchdog to make sure that the students don't fail the college class, which is taught by a college professor. I oversaw this course during both the fall and spring semesters. It is the easiest college class I have ever seen. Seriously, Lone Star College, you maybe should lose your accreditation over this class. Most students earned an extremely high A in the class. I will tell you that the academic government students that I've taught the previous two years would have been jealous or angry about the level of rigor in this, quote, college class. I'm doing air quotes around college right now. There was and is zero reason why any student should have struggled in this class. And yet, in both semesters, I had one student who simply did not do the work. Anytime a student fails one of my classes for the six weeks, I call the parents to let them know. I know parents are busy, and not everyone has a parent watchdogging their grades or progress. I over-communicate with parents. I email at the beginning of every week. I call or email after any test failure. I call or email when students get A's on exams. I call or email at the end of a six weeks when a student gets an A or an F. And I also log every single communication that I have with a parent. My first year of teaching at Marshall High School, I made over 1,000 phone calls to parents. Now, I've not had to make that many phone calls in recent years, but I still like to keep things transparent. A parent could never accuse me of not keeping them in the loop on their child's progress. And yet there I was last Friday on the bus ramp waiting for my sons to get dropped off from elementary school when my principal approached me and asked me what was going on with a particular student who was at a risk of not graduating. I proceeded to explain the circumstances of the situation, and he understood my perspective on the situation and felt good about the way that I had done everything I could to help the student succeed. He asked that we go on speakerphone and call the parent together, and we did. The parent with whom I had several phone conversations previously and had an email trail a mile long of acknowledgement of their student falling short of expectations, proceeded to launch a desperation campaign of lies and deception and to question my integrity as a teacher. Now, I have many flaws as a teacher, but I pride myself on my honesty and transparency with students and parents. I have not had one student in my five years tell me that I was not fair with them And in this particular case, I did everything I could for a student for whom I did not see them once the entire semester. Ultimately, I was asked to bury all the hard work I had put in to give the student every opportunity to earn their success, including investing multiple hours last Friday to construct an extra final exam that only one student would be taking. The student's lack of effort was troubling and something that was certainly unfortunate. But that is not what kept me up that night. I woke up at 2 a.m. early Saturday morning because I had a parent lie about me to my boss's face and to criticize my efforts to hold a student accountable. It still makes me angry. Why do people lie? Why do they lie for their children? How is that good parenting? Why is it wrong to hold your student accountable? And why is our world so centered around deception and shortcuts? I just couldn't stew in my juices any longer. 
I rolled out of bed and I went into my office and I pulled out my Bible and I just started reading. My bookmark was in the book of Colossians because I knew that my church was beginning a series on Colossians that weekend. So I just started reading. I just wanted God to calm me down and to take the hate and vengeance out of my heart. Now, I didn't hate the people involved in the situation, but I absolutely hated the situation. I just kept reading Colossians until a verse struck me, and when that finally happened, I read the verse over and over again. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. The idea of the peace of Christ is just incredible. The peace of Christ is that you don't need to suffer with anything because Christ already suffered for you. Any sadness, any anger, any anxiety, release it from your body, your mind and your soul because it pales in comparison to how Christ suffered on the cross. Whatever it is that burdens you, let it go and then be thankful. Maybe it's just not that simple for you. Maybe you are really hurt. Maybe someone you trusted let you down. Well, then pray about it. And there's a simple, all-encompassing prayer that covers all your needs between you and God. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And there's a reason why Jesus taught his people to pray that way. It's the ultimate prayer. It covers reverence to God. Hallowed be thy name. It covers calling on God to be your provider. Give us this day our daily bread. It calls on God to not only forgive our own sins, but to release those who might act against us from the burden of their own shortcoming. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The Lord's Prayer also provides us with guardrails to keep us from acting on emotion or our weakness. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. And it reassures us that eternity is surely longer than whatever trials we currently face. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Paul continues in Colossians in chapter 4 and says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery for Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul was probably never going to meet the Colossians, but he advised them just the same. He advised them on how to avoid mistakes he had made and made his message about Christ's message. That's my mistake in this situation. In truth, a minor inconvenience for me, a kid that got more than he earned, that took me off the path of showing a Christ-like concern for all people. It is a whole lot easier to be angry than to forgive or forget. But the good news this week is God is always there for your prayers when you feel like your emotions are taking you off a positive path. His truths will help right your ship and help you avoid the spiritual chains which Paul physically wore. As Paul says in chapter 3, Set your minds on spiritual things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
As always, I appreciate you listening. And if there's something that I could be praying about or something that you'd like me to talk about here on the podcast, you can always email me, goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com, or hit me up on Twitter at MJ4Sports. That's at MJ, the number four, sports. And if you could do me a favor, share the podcast with some friends. We'd love to be able to pass it on to new listeners and get them involved in the good news that God has to offer to us each and every day. That's all for now. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week on the Good News Project podcast. You've been listening to the Good News Project podcast with Matt Jackson. To reach out to Matt with feedback, topic suggestions, and prayer requests, email goodnewsprojectfeedback at gmail.com. Tell me that you like.